Hey, welcome back to Pigeon Hockey. This is Chris, and today's co-host, Sebastian. Hello, hello. And you know us, we're just a goalie and a goon that have taken one too many pucks of fists at the head and do not claim to be hockey experts, but simply overzealous hockey fans that love to play, watch, read, and talk about hockey. So be sure to follow us on Twitter to let us know what you think, and also be sure to comment and share any hockey games, news, or videos we should cover in an upcoming podcast. So, Sebastian, to start off today's podcast, we are going to be talking a lot about, or let's just make this podcast all about bad trades. The NHL trade deadline passed a few weeks back, and we're just going to talk about some of the trades in the past that came to mind that just didn't work and ended up, whether they known at the exact time, like, wow, that was an awful trade, or whether... You know, a couple years passed by and you realized how bad the trade was. That's what we're talking about on this podcast. So with that said, what trade comes to mind for you right out the gate when you just think of bad trade? So when we think of bad trades, obviously, you know, we discussed a little bit. You know, there's there's obviously like the big Gretzky trade and the Watt trade and all the trades that have been beat to death, right? I mean, we know yeah. those are bad trades. They were great players when they got traded. There was a circumstance why they got traded. So we're kind of, I, I know we're kind of just trying to stay away from those and we're trying to get into something different. Now, for me, being a Sens fan, there's always two trades that come to mind. So I'm going to talk about one now. And this is a trade from June 2001. So this came off a season where Alexi Ashton refused to uh, report to the Ottawa Senators. So they suspended him for the entire season. So red flag number one right there for me. If I'm a GM and a guy just had to be suspended for a season, probably not going to give a big return. Unless, yeah. and I mean unless, you're the New York Islanders and you decide, you know what? We like Yashin so much that we're going to trade for him and sign him to a 10-year contract. That's that's a that's a whole new different podcast about bad signings. That's definitely one oh. of them. Oh yeah. But but so you know the trade the trade involves so you know Bill McCult, who exactly right? The Sens got Bill McCult. I don't you know I, I kind of looked him up. Not not huge. They got a young Zdeno Chara, which I mean anyone listening, I'm sure you know who Zdeno Chara is. Yeah, Otto end up making a mistake and then the. I don't think he turned out to be anything, did he? <laughs> no, just a multi-cup winning captain. Just you know, just a small human being as well. Not very tall, maybe maybe eight nine feet. But no, you know, so they got they got a young Zdeno Chara who hasn't quite worked out in New York yet. But you know, you don't give up on a guy like that. But it is what it is. They did, uh, and then the 2001 first overall draft pick, which ended up being second or sorry, first round draft pick, which ended up being second overall for Jason Spezza. So when you wrap this trade up, the New York Islanders gave up Zdeno Chara and Jason Spezza, who both had some pretty great NHL careers, for Alexi Ashen. When I look at that trade, even when it happened. I was a kid. I was I was 11 years old. I was excited, right? You're getting a high draft pick in Jason Spezza. You're getting Zidane Chara, who's an absolute monster, still young, learning the game. And you're getting rid of a guy who didn't want to be there. And, you know, <laughs> there's a reason why this is one of the worst trades in NHL history. Dude, that's a win-win-win for, uh, for the Senators right there. Just so and, bad. And you think about some of these the deals these GMs make when they look at it. Like you said, red flag for me is if a player's like, I'm not reporting and they suspend him for the season as a GM, like, you know, right there, you have, you have some cards to play with. If you're any team looking in, like any team looking in right now, basically at the Buffalo Sabres can look and go, we can, we can, we don't have to offer the best because players want out and they need to make a winning team. So in this case with the senators, with the Ashen, not wanting to cooperate, the Islanders could have sent way less way less to the Ottawa Senators. At least the Senators would have got some acquisitions for a guy that was never going to wear a Sens uniform again. But then they just go overboard with that contract. And like, what? 
like did did it help the did it help the senators to have a big contract for the guy yeah i mean i don't know they i think that was the reason why he signed out i think i remember hearing i mean obviously i was a kid but they were talking about contract and money and this and that but that being said i mean like i said we can go into a different podcast one day if you want to talk about bad signings but you know a 10-year contract he didn't play his full 10 years he ended up being bought out and going and finishing his career off in the khl but you know you you're getting a guy who who his contract was still valid but didn't want to play because he wanted to renew his contract. And that's one of the things that irks me the most in all sports. You know, Well, I've got a year left in my contract. I want to renew now or I'm not playing. It's like, well, you signed a four-year deal. You're playing for four years. Like, I'm sorry yeah. to tell you. Like, yeah, I get it. Like, You'll work through that contract throughout the year. And I get players like, well, what if I get injured? What if this? What if that? Well, you signed a four-year deal. You didn't sign a three-year deal. You signed a four-year deal. Play those four years in that fourth year, or even sometimes it happens in the third year where they start restructuring, trying to extend whatever, depending on what kind of player yep. you are. But obviously Ottawa wasn't quite ready to give them give Yashin. He don't get me wrong, he was a point of, just under a point a game for the Senators when he when he played for them, which is obviously huge. Uh, he's still I think went third or fourth overall in points and goals and all that for, for Ottawa. Like he did well in Ottawa. He wanted that big contract and Ottawa wasn't just quite ready to give it. But, you know, then you get that, and I always call it that crybaby mentality where you're like, well, if you're not going to give me what I want, I'm just going to not, like, you know, I signed a contract, but I'm not going to honor it. I'm not playing for you. And Ottawa said, no problem. We'll suspend you, and then we'll just get a king's ransom for you, which, I mean, it's a head it's a head scratcher then. It's a bigger head scratcher now, especially with Z still playing in the, in the NHL with a bunch of cups, right? Um, yep. Spezza still hasn't won a cup yet, but he's still, you know, an awesome role player for Toronto. That did a pretty decent job in, in Dallas. Uh, you know, was a fan favorite here in Ottawa until the end when things went bad or whatever. But I mean, just just bad overall. Yeah, uh, dude. I mean, that literally. I know I would normally jump in here and do my trade, but this literally sounds like what's happened all over again. But Ottawa wins again. I mean, just jump into what I'm thinking is the obvious next go-to with Ottawa winning again. Yeah, I mean, and this is a trade that happened in uh, September in 2018, and this is the Sharks trade Carlson. Um, you know, at the time, Carlson was probably top two defender in the league, maybe top, depending on when you look at, especially offensively. Um, came off some pretty big years with Ottawa, but also came off some pretty big injuries with Ottawa. Uh, so the, the Sharks acquired Eric Carlson, and I forget his his first name, but Pat Peril, who I think still plays in the NHL or the AHL, sorry for for the Sharks. Uh, but the Sens, this is what the Sens got back for it. The Sens got Chris Tierney, Rudolph Balsers. Dylan DeMello, uh, Josh Norris, and an unprotected pick that ended up being third overall in this last draft, which ends up being Tim Stutzel. So for me, as a Sens fan, you know, I, I can really break into this because I've seen these guys play. Tierney is maybe a second, third-line guy, pretty w- good on the faceoff, still decently young and scored a lot of goals when he played for the London Knights. Like, he's still he, – he mixes him well where he's, he's, you know, he's a vet, but he's still young. So that was good for Ottawa as they build. Rudolph Balsers played some pretty big games for Ottawa, scored some pretty nice goals. I actually really liked him. Uh, he got put on waivers this year with this whole Paxi squad, whatever. Um, and actually, I think San Jose, just as a in spite, took him back, which I laughed at that. Um, but, I, you know, I think he's doing pretty decent over there, so, so good for him. Uh, Dylan DeMello was traded at the last trade deadline, not the one that just went by, but the year before. Uh, for I, I want to say maybe it was a third-round dra- draft pick. I, I tried looking up quickly before we jumped on here, and I couldn't find it. Uh, but he got traded for a draft pick, which Ottawa obviously used to, to take a you know a new prospect. Uh, so Josh, who's traded? Wait, who who's that? So Dylan DeMello. He was traded to the Jets okay. last draft pick. So they got they basically end up getting a, a decent defender, 
um, for a year and then shipping him off for a, basically another prospect of a draft pick. Uh, they got Josh Norris, who was one of the better players in the AHL last season. Uh, was a, was already a pretty big prospect. Uh, friends with Brady Chuck, so you know that was kind of one of the reasons why they really wanted him. Um, he's doing very well this year. I mean, he's Ottawa's first-line center. Should he be? Probably not yet. But with Ottawa's situation, it is what it is. Um, he's he's winning some pretty key face-offs. He's scoring some great goals. He's you know he's he's buzzing all around the ice. Uh, is he still making rookie mistakes? Absolutely. He's a rookie. He's allowed to. Um, and then the unprotected draft pick, Tim Stutzel. Um, as of right now, and I mean, I'm not talking about 10 years down the road. I'm not talking about 20 years down the road. Lafreniere might find his game and become the best player to ever play hockey. Uh, Quentin Byfield might be the power forward that, you know, everyone thought he was going to be. But as of right now, in those three picks, to me, not even as a sense fan, just as a hockey fan, Tim Stutzel was the best pick out of those three picks. Probably even in the top five as of right now, because he's the only one really doing anything in the NHL. So to me, you look at at the Sharks who are needing to retool. They don't want to call it a rebuild because they have some big pieces, you know, whatever, needing to retool. So you can't tell me a Tierney, a Balsers, a DeMello, a Norris, and a Stutzel isn't putting your your team back into playoff contention and all you're taking away is Carlson. So again, to me, this is a trade that when this happens, Sens fans are crying and how could you trade, you know, our beloved King Carlson and, oh, my God, and uh, we're going to be the worst team in the world and I hate the Senators. I, I kind of laughed. You know, people made fun of Pierre Dorian. He said we got a lot of assets for him. You know what? He did get a lot of assets for him. I don't care how you look at it. He looked at his assets. I look at his players. It, it ended up being a steal for the Senators, and it's I'm not saying the Senators are back on path to – become a contender again but they're definitely in a much better place than they have been in years thanks to all this one trade no kidding i mean that's the second you you were talking about that yashin trade i'm like no we just have to move right into the natural flow of it we have to talk about the carlson trade because it's like they did it again they got a king's ransom for a player that i mean senators hadn't had to know he didn't want to be there anymore he was done with the organization well, and, you got you to remember what happened too, right? It was what yeah, with the yeah, girlfriend. All the, and there was exactly. a miscarriage. And, you know, it was yeah. really bad. Don't get me wrong. Right. It, and excuse my language, and I, you're going to have to beep this out, but, you know, right now, it was f***ed up. What it happened was. in that sense locker room was messed up. That was disgusting. I absolutely hated everything about that. I, I hated it worse that it came from the Senators organization because they were already under scrutiny for so many things, ownership, whatever. And this happened. It was really messed up. And I, I get it. it. And I get he wanted to leave. And, you know, his wife probably wanted to leave. I get that. But at, at the end of the day, like, like I don't know what the Sharks were thinking. No, uh, I'm with you on that. I, I don't think he was the right piece the Sharks needed at the time. He just wasn't. Uh and yeah, they gave away a lot. They gave they gave away their future, I think, because they lost they lost the heart and soul of their team. For my opinion, at that point was Pavelski, and because it cost them, they had to re, you know I don't know why they chose to resign you know I don't know I just think the Sharks made a lot of errors in that time frame, and they deserve to be where they're at right now, in terms of the bad decisions they made. But I love that organization, you know, best jersey in the National Hockey League by far. But I tell you what. Not a lot of right decisions by the Sharks organization there. They got just destroyed on that trade. Absolutely destroyed. But other awful trades that have occurred. Uh, now, this one isn't brutal, but you think about the talent. I'm going to stick with my hometown here, too. You, stick, you think about the talent that the Buffalo Sabres got in return for Stefan Borgard. The trade back in August of 1992, the Chicago Blackhawks trade away Dominic Koscik. 
for Stefan Borgard and a 1993 fourth round pick uh, that ended up being uh, Eric Dres. Buffalo won this trade big time. Now, Chicago had great goaltending. It's not like Chicago was left in a situation I want to bring up right after this one where they just screwed everything up and lost amazing goaltenders. Chicago had amazing goaltending. But Chicago, I mean, what, they'd gone to the 92 finals, right? They'd gone to the 92 finals, lost against Pittsburgh. They had it, man. They were a great team. And he wasn't a proven goaltender yet, but people were after him. Buffalo was one of those several teams after this tendy of the Czech Republic. And boom, the Sabres acquired him. And I have to say, that was a bad trade by Chicago. Bad trade. Their future was in that backup goaltender. Yeah, and, and it's funny because um, I'm not going to quite go into my next trade yet, but it, it's the same situation. It always seems to be when a team thinks that they are more than ready or more than stocked up, you want to say, at that goaltender position, and they move on a piece that isn't quite their number one, but you know could be their number two, number three. It always seems to come back and bite them in the. Yep, all the time. And this is and this 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 trade for me, was a great as a Sabres fan. I didn't know who he was as a kid. You know, I was a Malarchuk and Fear and Poopa fan. Those were my goalies. You know, they were my goalies. But Hasha came in, and, man, did he change not only the face of the Buffalo Sabres for a decade, he changed goaltending. He was just something else on the ice. And I, as a kid growing up in Buffalo, I emulated him. At that point, I was just like, I want to be like him. And, yeah, and you think about what – go ahead. Even playing like ball hockey, road hockey, or whatever with the, with the kids, I still remember strapping on the pads. And was I going to be a stand-up goalie? Absolutely not. I used to yell Hassock all the time and literally just hurl my body across the pavement and <laughs> flop around and throw the glove backwards and make some of the nicest saves that you know I've ever made in my life playing ball hockey. Just yelling Hassock, just like you know when people yell Kobe when they shoot things, right? For me, it was yep. yell Hassock and you just throw your limbs out and make a save. And you know they, it was an unnecessary save, but I mean it, it was it looked fantastic and. That's what Hasek brought. Hasek brought excitement. He did. Not saying Buffalo wasn't exciting at the time, but you know he definitely turned that volume gauge right up across not just for the Sabres across the NHL. And I mean, I mean at one point Hasek was in Ottawa and he was I think at that point 395 years old. Um, and <laughs> I still enjoyed watching him. Yeah, he got hurt and whatever it didn't go the way. But yeah, so like you know Hasek brought excitement everywhere and. It's and like, like I said before, right? When you trade away a goalie like that thinking, okay, we're stocked up, we don't need him, or we can afford to get rid of him, not only does it, you know, it usually comes back to bite teams in the arse, but at the same time as a Hasek where you're like, hey, I thought I was going to be next here in this great organization of Chicago, you know, whatever, and then you get traded, that's motivation. And I think he used that well because, I mean, damn, he was one of the best goalies for basically as long as I can remember as a kid. Yeah, because, uh, man, I got his red jersey. I mean, I, I love the guy. I You know, in my opinion, one of the best five goalies for me, not maybe NHL history, but for me, one of the best five goalies of all time. Just, I loved it. But you, you look at teams that just don't handle their prospect goalies well. Now, necessarily, this the whole Vancouver situation with Schneider and Luongo wasn't a prospect thing. Luongo is definitely the face of that team, and Schneider was the up-and-comer. But they were were looking at a situation that was probably a little bit ahead of its time, and I don't think Vancouver handled it right. That's my opinion. I don't know what actually happened in internal within the Canucks organization, but they had two of the best goalies in the league, 
and neither one wanted to be backup. I mean, you're looking at the same situation right now in Vegas with Flurry and Leonard, but look at how that's carrying that team just to straight up success. That was a the, nobody wanted to play the Canucks at the time frame. You had Luongo and Schneider, and they in within a year they went from having two of the best goalies in the league to not having either of them. Yeah, and I th- I think for that though I, you gotta look at at Flurry's demeanor, Flurry's personality. Like I I don't think any other goalie would really mesh well into that system. Like Flurry's are very much like oh I'm not getting the start tonight, cool. Like his agent tweeted out and basically said this head coach is the worst head coach in the world and he's killing the flower, blah blah. And Flurry was like hey man like relax like you know stuff happens like relax like I'm I I wasn't the best goalie here I'm not playing but I I think with and I don't think you know Luongo has a big personality he's all over Twitter and you know everyone yeah. knows who he is and I think Schneider being a young goalie that, that was very good still I think maybe that was more of a clash of the titans you know you got two guys who think they should be starting and they're not willing to just be like yeah man go ahead and you know I don't care if you have the start tonight I'll get the start the next night or whatever I don't think that was the situation again I'm not in the room maybe the people are saying you know these guys are best friends and they live together and they did everything together and they didn't care but to me that when i'm looking from the outside i see flurry being like yeah it is what it is and even leonard when flurry starts he's like whatever and you know it just you didn't get that feeling from vancouver though no and the thing is it isn't so much the fact that you knew you had to trade away one of them okay you had to trade away one of them but within a year they didn't have either of them they were both gone they went from having two amazing goalies to now out of the Luongo trade, they still got like Jacob Markstrom. So that worked out. But again, he wasn't a hundred percent ready yet there to be a full-time goalie. Now what he's in Calgary. Right. So, I mean, it wasn't a bad trade, but I'm just talking about in this situation, just the way I think the Canucks handled it. I think it just, it just didn't happen for him. And it just kind of backfired and they lost amazing goaltenders for just, Kind of mishandling the whole system of how you how you trade players away and such and so yeah and talking about Vancouver um, I actually this is one of the trades that I want to bring up and this isn't a trade that's usually talked about a ton um, especially newer hockey fans right wouldn't quite know but when you think of Vancouver you think about one line correct that mm-hmm. line that line's really Marcus Naslin and the two Sedin twins Marcus Naslin you know the captain of the Canucks the guy who really you know led them through. A really bad time into when they were actually you know were a great team and, and you got to figure out where, where they get you know they must have drafted mark naslin no they actually made a trade in pittsburgh in march of 1996 they traded so pittsburgh traded marcus naslin to the vancouver canucks for someone named alex stojanov i believe his last his last name is uh who played a whopping 45 games in the nhl um i think potentially i i, I Literally, Marcus Naslin had more multiple point games than this guy had NHL games in his career. So, I mean, to me, when I look at that trade talking about Vancouver, they have made some bad decisions, but they've also made some really good ones. No, I'm agreeing with you there. And I mean, for any of the older fans, they know this one. The newer fans might not. But how about Winnipeg sending Solane to the Anaheim Ducks? Oh, this trade makes me want to put my face through Solani became the face of the Ducks. I mean, he is the Anaheim Mighty Ducks. When you think of the Anaheim Mighty Ducks, you think of Timo Solani and like Jiguer. That's who the, those are, those are the two people I think about. Now it's you know the Ducks. You might add Korea in there, but again, you know it's a three. They oh were yeah, a three-player prong, and that's exactly who it is. But it all starts with literally. It all starts with him. It absolutely does, and I mean that was just. I think they got. It looks like that trade happened back in February of '96. And so he was traded with, I guess it looks like Schoenard and a fourth round pick out of Winnipeg. 
And in return, they got a first round draft picks, Chad Kilger and Olag Tordovsky, along with the third round pick. And I mean, I don't even know who these guys are. I'm sure you guys are amazing guys if you listen, but, uh, you know, we're old. But you gave up like this was the face of the franchise for the Ducks. Like what a steal of a trade. Winnipeg just I mean, is it that? Is it like Winnipeg knew they were leaving and just started trading away assets? Yeah, I don't know. Like, I, and don't get me wrong. I think it was the 76 goals. He saw as the, re- the rookie record, well, the record, but like the rookie record for 76 goals in a season or whatever. Yeah, I, I get he wasn't going to touch that again, but I mean, he showed a lot right there. I mean, that, the guy scores 76 goals in a season. I signed that guy to a 45-year contract. Make sure he literally is leaving your building when he is done playing hockey and that's it. Um, but again, you know, teams make, bad mistakes and this is one of them yeah. i mean solani's one of the nhl greats you know people are probably gonna argue with me and say no he's not but to me as from the hockey i watch as a kid solani is an nhl great so i look at a trade like this and it's like i don't know if, if players moved or whatever but when did winnipeg go to arizona wasn't it 96 uh, i want to say yes or shortly thereafter because i'm gonna have to look it up right now because i'm like was this a you knew you weren't is this like a hook me up for a future job? Oh, I type in Winnipeg to Phoenix and it's giving me. It's, never mind. Um, <laughs> no, but, Sorry, there's still COVID. We will not be flying. Yeah. So <laughs> it's it's 1996. I had to think this is the year that Winnipeg went off because imagine, just imagine a Coyotes organization with a Timo Solani. Now it seems like a crime because you look at Solani and you just know he is the you know he is the Mighty Ducks. But man, what a transition it would have been for an organization like the Phoenix Coyotes to have a player like a Solani as the face of that franchise for so long. Now Shane Doan became the face of the franchise and as an amazing player. But imagine having a Solani and a Doan. That would have been a that would have been a cup winning team, man. Uh, you know what? And I'm actually like, I'm really glad that you you bring up the face of a franchise because uh, that kind of actually lead, I I don't mean to cut you off, but that just literally slithered right into my next trade I want to talk about. Um, when you think about Toronto Maple Leafs. What's the one thing they really need? Goaltending. Right? And if you think of the Boston Bruins, most likely uh, you'd think of Z or whatever. But when you think about that crease, who's the face of that franchise? Of the Boston Bruins? Yeah. Tuga. Tuga. Exactly. And then you look back, and we talked about, right, people, you know, teams like Chicago, and they think, oh, we're stacked at the goaltender position. We can get rid of a guy. This is what happened with Toronto. Toronto had... Tuka Rask, who they had drafted at 21st, I want to say maybe overall in that in the 20s, um, and they had Justin Pogi, and then they had you know and they weren't they knew both these goalies were going to be their goalies of the future, so they gambled, and they traded Tuka Rask for Andrew Rakeroff, who two years removed had won the Rookie of the Year, had a bad season, so you know and and Boston had Tim Thomas and. I forget the other young goalie's name that they had that was coming up at the time. So they thought, you know, we can get rid of Andrew Andrew Raycroft, no problem. Toronto traded Tuka Rask for Andrew Raycroft. Andrew Raycroft went on had a decent time in Toronto. Tuka Rask went off to literally be one of the greatest goalies in Boston history. Cups among cups. Uh, leader, you know, all you know his teammates love him and all that. And the best part about this is, especially as being a sense fan and laughing and mocking this is Tuka Rask most likely would have brought a cup to Toronto. 
They have oh, been yeah. built. They have been built nicely for many of years, but always need consistent goaltending, and we're never able to find it. And I'm just I'm dubbing it right now on this podcast. It's the curse of the Rask. <laughs> I like it. The curse of the Rask. See, you're a Sense fan. I'm a Sabres fan. The demise of the Maple Leafs is always fun to us, but this is also coming from a Senators fan and a Sabres fan. <laughs> so we don't have a lot to say. But it's the only thing that can make us feel good is that they they don't have a cup right now because our organizations at least yours yours is rebuilding to something that's going to be sexy and amazing. Mine is literally that dumpster on fire rolling down a hill. But, but we can't really, bus, like. we can't say that Ottawa is rebuilding to be something good because let's let's be honest. At one point, everyone looked at Buffalo and went, "Wow, they're rebuilding and they're going to be really good." So you know, with ownership that we yeah. have here in Ottawa. We could be right in your situation within three years. So don't worry. We'll just have misery and we'll just laugh at the curse of the Rask. Yeah, I like that. I like the curse of the Rask. I think that might – we can drop in a couple quickies here before we uh, before we end it. But we did mention like the Oilers had to trade away their Gretzky and all that other stuff. But, man, how about that Messier trade though? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> that was bad. He And that's the thing is you look at a guy like Mark Messier, just a natural-born leader, and he went to New York and he just led. You know, he just led and he took them to their next cup and yet another cup. And how many cups does he have? Like six? Uh, Yeah, I think so. I have to look it up. But he he does have a handful of cups and and literally like he's just led teams to the cup. Like he's he's obviously a great hockey player. Don't get me wrong. But his leadership skills, the number one thing he's literally led teams to victories. Yeah, because I'm looking here. Yeah, by 29, he'd already won five Stanley Cups with the Oilers. Five. Five Stanley Cups with the Oilers at age 29. And a guy like that's in his, like, prime. You don't get rid of that. I just don't understand the trade because it says, let's see, this trade said Mark Mezzi, yeah, basically the heart and soul of the team for future considerations, Jeff Bukaboom and David Shaw to the New York Rangers in exchange for Louis DeBrusque, Stephen Rice, and the LA Kings great Bernie Nichols. I don't know, man. It's... there's sometimes I look at some of these trades and, and I get there's situations, right? There's all the rumors and well, I call them rumors, but they've basically been confirmed about how, you know, the Oilers had to get rid of Gretzky because they had a money problem and they got money back in that trade or whatever. You know, Patrick Waugh basically told Montreal, you let, you made me look like an idiot. I'll never play for you again. Yep. But then you scratch your head at the return. Like, I get you have to trade this guy. And, yeah, you're on the other you're on the other side saying, well, you know, you have to trade this guy. But at the same time, it's not like you have to trade an Alexi Ashton who did okay and had started to prove himself. You're trading a proven, a proven yeah. winner and Waugh and Gretzky. You're trading literally two of the greatest at their positions of all time. You have a bigger bat to swing at the plate. And then you're taking just some of these trades. Like, I mean, I look at the Patrick Watt trade, and I think you know, what they get back in return that really helped him, Jocelyn Thibault, he, did, he was okay. But, you know. I like Thibault. I like Thibault as well. I mean, I, I you know, he he was pretty good for a while. But, I mean, was he Patrick Waugh? No. But so at least I like Thibault's character. I've really never liked Patrick Waugh. <laughs> but it was all about what he did, he did in the net. And so, yeah, I mean, you can't deny what he's one of the best goalies of all time. One of the best. Not the best. But, Sorry. That's Brodeer. But, but it, it makes me laugh, though, when I think about it, when you talk about his character, the, the, the only, not the only moment, the biggest moment I can remember watching as a kid is Patrick Waugh making a glove save and then, like, flapping his glove to, like, show off and then the puck dropping out of his glove <laughs> and Shanahan just poking into the open net. I love that. I died laughing as a kid because I was like, that's who Patrick Waugh is. Like, yeah, you're getting a great goaltender, but you're getting an absolute 
sometimes that's going to burn you. And that's what happened there. Um, but at the same time, I mean, when you're trading him, people might say, oh, he's got a bad attitude. I'm like, hey, that's no problem. I'll keep him stashed on my bench. Don't go win Stanley Cups. Yeah, and honestly, some of the best moments out of National Hockey League history have come out of Patrick Watt, man. Like, of course, your Stanley Cup bring you wanted to pull on me for last one <laughs> over the Americans and Canadians. But then the wink. Uh, there's the just... wink. He's He's got so many moments, man, where it's like – but also he led to some of the best goalie fights too. Some of the best. Like when him and – was it Osgood or Vernon that season? Because he fought Osgood and Vernon back-to-back seasons. But when they all launched at each other halfway through the ice and bodies went flying. Oh, I <laughs> like, think I think that one may have been Osgood because I was in the playoffs, wasn't it? Yeah, they were both in the playoffs. It was I think it was Vernon the year before and yeah, then it re-happened Osgood, again. Yeah. yeah, I remember watching though. And like, I mean, that was exciting hockey back in the day. We're going to um, have to do a hockey fights one. Oh, That's absolutely. Fights want, and hockey fights. You want to talk about hockey fights? I can pull out a, a list and we can make this a 24-hour podcast. You let me know. Dude, we can combine our two favorite things. We are talking about the goon and the goalie. So if we're talking about goalie fights, we both get what we love. I'm in. I All did. right, let's do it. D- dibs on the Ray Emery fight. <laughs> Which one? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> if it's uh, if it's the Hopi one, that wasn't a fight. That was an attack. <laughs> and if it, but if it was on Bayron, that one's just fun. But no, I think there's so many good ones. I'm still gonna save my. You know, I'll save my favorite that I watch at least once every couple weeks. Which if you listen to this podcast, you know which fight I watch at least once every couple weeks. And I will save that. That is my favorite goalie fight of all time. But dude, okay, we're gonna have to do goalie fight episode soon. But or just a fight episode. Shoot, there's you so know, many good you know fights. I'm in. You all know right, we're I'm in. we're in. We're doing this. Well, that said, I think this is a good wrapping point. We do want to thank all of our listeners for once again tuning in to Pigeonhole Hockey. This is Chris and Sebastian. Keep your stick on the ice. And we'll catch you next time.